Hey, everybody, this is Corey Dion Lewis, founder of The Healthy Project and host of The Healthy Project podcast. Now, before you listen to this great interview, I'd like to talk to you about my new community health conference series, My City, My Health. Uh, The My City, My Health conference presented by The Healthy Project will educate the audience about what health and community advocates are doing to improve the health of the most vulnerable and underserved in our communities. There will be multiple panels discussing topics around culture and healthcare, mental health prevention, and how we're collaborating with community-based organizations to really make a difference in our community. If you want to learn more about this in-person and virtual experience, you can go to mycity.health. If you want to have this conference in your city, email me, Corey at thehealthyproject.co and we could talk more about how we could have a my city my health experience in your city talking to the health and community leaders in your city about what you can do to improve the health of the people in your city again thank you for supporting the healthy project and Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I got a great guest in the building today. I have the founder of Bridging the Gap talking about financial wellness, I have Mr. Marlon Ewing. Marlon, man, thank you so much for being on, bro. I appreciate you. Most definitely, bro. No, I appreciate you, man. This was, like I said, this has been been uh, making for quite some time. And uh, we linked up last year and been kind of just talking in, uh, in different events and opportunities here and there. And so finally got a chance to get on, on uh, the record with you on a few things. But uh, I'm excited, man, definitely. Absolutely. So, you know, before we get into the episode, how about you tell the people a little bit about yourself and what gets you up in the morning? Yeah, most definitely. Um, the first thing I would say that gets me up and, and going there, uh, everybody says, you know, they're, they're a potential partner or, or spouse, kids. I am going to co-sign with that, but I am going to say one thing that I really uh, like doing is, is fulfilling a purpose in my community. Um, I feel like for the longest time I was trying to figure out, you know, what is kind of my calling or purpose in life. Um, and I believe I found it. I'm pretty sure I have. And so I feel pretty good about the direction I'm going in now, uh, where I work with others and kind of help them, you know, see, you know, long-term plans come to fruition. Um, and just try to make an impact and a difference there where I feel I can, you know, be that, that bridge in between, uh, which hence, you know, bridging a gap. Dope, man. So tell me a little bit more about Bridging the Gap. Um, what is, what's the mission? Yeah, most definitely. Um, so about 
three or four years ago, I started getting into the securities industry with my um, you know investments and financial advice. Um, and I, I always go back to this instance to where I had my first job as an independent advisor and I was at um, a principal financial group and they asked me, OK, so before you start you know, getting into the industry and the business, uh, you need to have your first 200 or 400 plus contacts that have assets you can work with to help them you know, manage their money. And I was thinking, like, I only got to know that many people uh, that have money. And uh, I had to think of a list. And eventually I found some folks. I found maybe 100, close to 200 people. Um, but when I did that, they didn't have a high net worth. And so we just started pretty much from folks in my, my, you know, my, my warm circle, my network, family, close friends, things like that. Um, and I work with about 75 um, black professionals, fam- families and individuals over a two year period. And one thing that I, I found that was very common among all of them, we shared the same problems. Um, we had, you know, credit issues, uh, issues managing debt, little to no savings, uh, not really any investments. Um, and I didn't realize how bad it really was until I started doing my own research and homework into it there. Um, because when you're going through like your, um, your financial services training and your licensing, they don't really teach you history. They don't really teach you, uh, relationships and psychology when it comes to money. And there's a gaping hole when it comes to dealing with money with our community. Uh, and so that was one thing that was really uh, inspiring to me. So like, man, I really got to get into this. And so that's when I started looking into, you know, um, when do we start having assets or when we start dealing with money and how we start building our businesses and things like that, our community. And you start to see these, these periods in time to where we, we get out of this crazy type of situation, whether it be slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, uh, the civil rights era, and we start to rebound a little bit. Um, and then something comes out of nowhere, whether it be legislation or racist mobs or just overall uh, terrible events and, and circumstances that come onto our community. And it hinders us or holds us back from, you know, taking the next step forward. Um, and this is where I try to learn about it and find out ways that we can kind of navigate past it or, or do better or work together as a collective uh, to move past these issues. Um, and so that's where it kind of got me to the point of looking into money psychology or just the, you know, the history we've had with money there as a people in the community. Um, and that's why I've learned a lot of cool things that I think are very applicable now. And that's what Bridging the Gap is doing right now. So we're, we're basically bridging that gap, that wealth gap. Uh, but it's also a mentality gap as well. It's changing the mindset from uh, being poor to being broke to being rich. And I say that because when you're poor, you have a poor mindset and you don't have any money. When you're broke, you have a rich mindset, but you don't have no money. And then when you're rich, you have both. Um, and so that's really what I want to kind of bridge that gap there for everyone involved. Um, and so that's kind of where I'm getting at now. Can you talk a little more about the shift in mindset that is needed? While I was prepping for our conversation, I started to read about scarcity. And what I found was that mm-hmm. people with the least resources were the worst with their money. Yep. And, you know, research has shown that less money people have, the more likely they are to suffer from diseases like type 2 diabetes and heart disease. Um, what are your thoughts on right, scarcity right. and how do we dig out of right. this hole? It's, it's difficult because um, there are ways of doing it, but it's difficult because there's different types of scarcity we face. Right. And we have a lot of these issues that are tied together. Right. So, um, for example, let's say 
let's say that you have this um, this project at your job coming up. You have this major deadline coming up. You know you got to take care of this. Um, and your child also has this event, their school or their sports team. And you know you got to be there. You got to be present in that moment for them. Uh, but you also have this event at your job. You got to take things up, right? So if, if your mind is basically thinking or focusing on this one particular issue, it's going to take away from everything else, right? So the small things behind here and there that are important, they can get neglected. Um, a, a great example of this would be uh, firefighters from 1984 to 2002. Uh, the second leading cause of their death was vehicle accidents. A lot of them were focusing just on getting to uh, the incident where the fire was located, making sure they're mapping out strategy routes, making sure they're taking care of themselves uh, and getting all the, the right kind of holding equipment there, exit strategies. And once they arrive, then they can take care of it. But a lot of them died in transit because they're not taking care of the small things with their seatbelts. They're not focusing on the small things here that they should be doing. And like you mentioned there, when you're when you're borrowing or when you're pay, taking these things out, like, like uh, payday loans or uh, predatory lending services there, um, we're trying to solve those short-term issues there. And those short-term issues are the ones that kind of hold us back for the long-term. We're thinking like from just right now, I got to take care of today and not take care of tomorrow. Um, but the, the way we can get out of that, that, that particular issue alone by itself is really planning for these problems in advance. Um, I spoke about this in, a, in a, another interview not too long ago. Uh, but if you are planning for emergencies on a monthly basis, then it's not really going to be an issue when it does come up there. And so you have to really start putting your funds and allocating these funds there in some way or some account, some kind of fashion, or give you somebody you really trust to hold this money for you or to you know, have a direct deposit going somewhere else to a bank or credit union there that you're not going to be able to see or pull the funds from. Uh, and from there, let that allocate, let it build up. Right. So if we're putting maybe, let's say, five or 10 percent of our paycheck uh, into this account every single time we get paid, we're not going to notice it. Right. If it's already coming out, we're going to have to adjust what we have from our net paycheck. We got to make sure we're taking care of all of our expenses from that net check. But leave that small five, 10 percent there. Let it build up every single month. And that other account where you can't go and use that for impulse spending. Um, that's one way you can kind of help and deal with the emergency situation, because I have emergencies come up all the time. But we have two separate emergency accounts in our household. And so we know if. One of them is getting low from this car accident we had over here, or we have one from uh, some dental stuff that happened out of nowhere. We know we can go pull from this fund here and take care of that. And now we're not having to go into this extra predatory lending. Now we're not having to go take on this 27 or 28% interest rate that's going to hold us back another month. Because when you're doing these things there, it's not like you're, you're bringing in more income. You're not bringing in more income when you're taking out these loans. You're just kicking the can down the road to not deal with it today. And so you're just trying to delay the stress of today into tomorrow. Say, I'll worry about that later. I can't worry about that right now. But you're going to make it harder on yourself tomorrow, which in turn takes away from your family, takes away from your relationship, your time and your dieting. If you're rushed and you're, you're lacking that flexibility in time, lacking that flexibility with relationships there, you're going to shortcut everything else and try to make that one thing work later on because you're so focused on that one particular issue. Right, right. It's like taking from Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. 100 percent. Money conversations in the black community, you know, I will say have improved over the years, but I still feel like we don't talk about it enough. Um, how can we change the way we talk about money in our community so we can move forward in our community? 
I think a lot of this is going to be difficult only because if we're trying to do this with our you know, parents and grandparents generation there, a lot of them aren't ready to have these conversations. Um, a lot of them have to work with this discussion with what we have right now in our generation because we're more open to being vulnerable. We're more open to being, you know, exposed and, you know, focusing more on the humility side of it there. But um, when it comes to our parents and grandparents there, it really wasn't okay for them to, you know, be uh, as open and honest as we are now today. I shouldn't say honest, but more open as we are now today with our information. Uh, we're more likely to share our salary with our, our coworkers now than we were 20, 30 years ago. We're more open to talk about our, our marriage and our, our personal lives than other individuals there we were 20, 30 years ago. Um, that's not how the previous generations operated. And so a lot of them were just focusing on the individual. They weren't worried about the collective. Um, and they had to think about, you know, self-preservation or survival. Um, we're not as deep and ingrained that, in that mindset as they were. And so we're more open to being able to discuss things that were taboo, like um, how much money do you make or what do you do with your money or how, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, and having these healthy conversations that allow us to figure out where am I at currently and how can I get better and work myself up to you know this point here? Uh, not worrying so much about status, but the actual net result of working hard and being successful in the endeavor you're pursuing, but not putting yourself in a position to where you're financially strapped or insecure with your money and to where now it's impacting every other aspect of your life. Right. I mean, it's it's very personal, right? On one hand, you don't want everybody in your business or you may feel insecure about where you currently are financially and by not reaching out or learning how to improve your situation, you stay in an unhealthy place financially. You know, what would you say to that person who is living paycheck to paycheck, but they know they need to do something to get out of their current situation? Mm -hmm. Um, so this is one thing where I like to use a, a brief analogy. Let's say you have a suitcase, right? You have two suitcases. We're going on a business trip. Uh, we have this big suitcase. We have a little suitcase. And the big suitcase, you have um, your clothes, your necessities. You have your running shoes, your umbrella for that, you know, rain day. Or you have gym shoes there for working out. Uh, you have a couple, you know, little other fun items you want to pack with you. Um, but you're allowed to... Uh, have flexibility in this suitcase, right? Then we have the other side there. We have a small suitcase. And now we're just thinking of, okay, I know I got to pack at least three days worth of clothing. Um, how can I make uh, my socks fit into my shoes and put my belt inside of my socks? And I need to start getting creative, right? It's the same thing we have to start doing with our budget. Um, another example would be, um, I call it broke bees and, and, and rich wasps, Right. Uh, this is a great analogy I learned there, but so for, for bees, honeybees, right? It takes them 90,000 trips uh, from flower to the hive to make eight pounds of honey. And from there, it takes eight pounds of honey to make one pound of beeswax. They have to be super efficient with what they have because their resources are so finite. Whereas with wasps, they'll just you put some mud together there and slap it into a, a hive and call it a day. They don't really care. But bees, they create an actual resource there that's so efficient, so productive, and they're working so hard. There's no leadership to just they have, to have, a, have an actual structure there, but they follow that structure to a T, and they just stick with it day by day, night by night in the community. Wasps are not like they don't care like that. And the wasps are the same thing as the big suitcase. The bees are the same thing as the, the little suitcase. You have to get creative. 
You have to get creative with your finances. You have to get creative with your budget. And you have to start looking at ways and angles to where you can cut things or ways you can make more money. Um, and a lot of people, what they do is they, they say, I make $15 an hour, I make $20 an hour. Um, you know, I, I can't do X, Y, Z, but you're trading in your time at this point for money. And so you have to think about, am I able to trade in, you know, more of my time for more money? Am I able to afford that? Can I afford that with my family? Do I have a family? Um, you have to take account for all these different scenarios there and variables that impact your life currently and get creative with everything. Uh, but that's where consultation and these discussions come into play. If we're looking at an individual situation there and everybody's different, uh, we can pinpoint exactly what you have in your budget, what's necessary, what can you cut temporarily right now just to get ahead, and how can we empower you to move forward. Um, a lot of the time, it's a matter of taking a lot of risks that you may not feel comfortable with. Um, it, it might mean cutting out streaming services. It may mean you know changing your data plan on your phone for a few months. It may mean um, refinancing a car or your house for a little bit there to cover certain expenses or just to kind of put yourself in a different position. Uh, it just depends on where you're at currently, but you may have to find a way to get a little bit creative there with your finances um, and then also find a way to maybe increase your earning power. It's going to come down to either if you're not being creative with your budget or increasing income or cutting expenses. One of those three things. And so we just have to figure out how we can help you out the most with that kind of uh, you know mindset with everything. Yeah, man, that's where coaching can play a big role because someone may think that they don't have the resources to make a plan, right. but someone outside of the situation can help. Might not be much to start, but it's a start. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that stuff adds up. Like if you're if you're able to save. 10 bucks a week, 50 bucks a month, that's $600 a year, right? If you're right. able to do something like that, that's a big difference to somebody who doesn't have anything. Absolutely. If you're living paycheck to paycheck there, that 600 bucks could be used into something else that can compound for you year after year. Um, and there's other resources you can look into that are free. There's a lot of resources out there right now that are free you can get into, um, or at least invest in yourself with that same kind of money you're saving to get another skill set or a trade to increase your earning power. It's a lot of different things you can get into on top of that, you know? Right. Uh, let's talk about the kids for a minute. You know, what kind of game do you give your kids to prepare them to have a healthy understanding around money? Yeah. Uh, one thing I really love doing with my kids is the uh, the marshmallow test. Um, and if you're not familiar with the marshmallow test, it's, it's actually really fun. But <laughs> they did this study. Uh, of some kids, they did two groups of kids, and they did um, they get this. Okay, so like, like set them all in the room. This is a, like a control group and a, and a variable group there, or whatever they call it. But uh, they gave one group of kids the marshmallows. Like, okay, listen, if you eat this marshmallow now, you're not going to get the two marshmallows or the cupcake later. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you to choose on your own what you're going to do with it. And they let the other kids they pick their own choice. And some of the kids will go in there and they'll they'll start to eat the marshmallow and they won't get their surprise later on. They'll come in there with a surprise and now the kid's going to feel remorse like, wow, that could have been me. I could have got that. Right. But some of the kids that actually waited were allowed to get the double the rewards or double the the, the, the bonuses there from what they could have got. They, you know, this way before. Um, and that just teaches um, delaying gratification. Right. If we're able to teach them delaying gratification at a younger age. They're not going to be as incentivized by catching trends with their friends or just jumping on board with everything that's hot right now because they know they have an angle in mind. They have a mindset they want to pursue later on and they have a, a vision or a goal. 
Um, that's one thing. The other thing you can do, depending on their age range, if they're at least, I'd say maybe seven, eight, or nine, you could start moon jars with them or money management with them. Um, if they're getting an allowance or chores, um, even if you don't think you make enough money to pay your kids an allowance there, you could probably do some like 50 cents, a dollar, you know, a couple dollars a week, something like that to get them started because they're not really going to use it a lot um, if they don't have a lot of money, but they can accumulate. And once they have saved enough there, they'll be able to spend on something they actually really want. Uh, but you can you can incentivize them with uh, different markers around the house or different images of a bike or a lemonade stand or some skates or a video game, whatever that may be. You can incentivize them into saving and teaching that practice. That's the very basics. Um, once you kind of get that that uh, delayed gratification kind of set in there, now you can start working on more complex concepts of building credit or working on credit or uh, planning for college or uh, making sure you have some kind of understanding of what, how investments work. Um, and so the, the main thing is just establishing um, habits like saving, uh, how spending works. It, can you afford this particular product or item in the store if you have $5? How much is this product right here? This product is seven fifty. so you need how much more? You're just keeping them with the basic there and making sure they understand the value of how a dollar works these days. Um, and then also teaching them generosity too. If they're able to learn, um, you know, to, to take care of one of their, their siblings there, if one of their siblings doesn't have enough money in their savings, but they have enough in theirs, they have the option of spending that money on their sibling there to help them catch up or pay the difference. Teaching them these things there at an early age there pays dividends for them for the rest of their life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, it just, it sounds like from a young age, just helping them and teaching them how to have good habits. And that's the reason why we have so many lottery winners that go broke because they don't have the habits in place before they get the money. And so you have to have the habits as your foundation before that. Same thing with NBA players, NFL players, um, all those folks that get all this fast money real quick out of nowhere and their habits haven't changed. It's not going to make any difference. They'll right. be broke in three months or three years, whatever the difference is. Like it's, it's just not going to sustain itself right. because they don't know how to fix it or, or do better with it. You know, um, if you gave, you gave a monkey a, a boatload of bananas there. He's not going to go start, you know, making his own tree or anything like that. He's going to go out and just eat them all and just blurs through it, be done with it, and get fat. Uh, you have to teach someone how to actually do some with their stuff. You know, not calling anybody a monkey. I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> saying that. No, I feel you. I feel you. Um, <laughs> hey, Marlon, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today, man. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, just having you on and getting with you know learning more about what you're doing uh, for anybody listening that wants to learn more about you uh, wants to connect with you learn more about uh, the what you're building with this financial health um, bridging the gap where can people find you where can they reach you at yeah for sure so uh, right now you can, um, right now my, my group and I were only meeting, uh, virtually every single, every couple weeks a month. Uh, but you can email me at, uh, the gap 1619, uh, at gmail.com. Uh, I'm also on Facebook under MJ Ewing. Um, there's Mary Jane or Marlon Jr. Ewing, something like that. Uh, you can find me there and Ewing is spelled E W I N G. Um, you can also reach me on my personal email. That's uh, MarlonEwing1 at gmail.com. Um, and we'll be coming out with some more merchandise and more information later on with the group. We're still in our infancy stages there, but um, definitely appreciate the opportunity, bro. This is definitely uh, much appreciated. And I really have fun with this week with you. 
um yeah if we got some more things coming up there just let me know i'll definitely be uh be willing to be a guest again and uh looking forward to uh connecting with you soon bro absolutely absolutely well again marlon thank you so much for uh being on the podcast with me today and everyone thank you for listening to the healthy project podcast i'll let you next time